This is Dan McCarthy, and you're listening to the Check-In Podcast. In those early days of the pandemic, when things were still so incredibly unclear, someone suggested that I speak to MMGY's Peter Yesowich in order to get some kind of sense of what happens next for travel. Peter, for those of you who don't know, is one of the founders of MMGY Global, one of, if not the, major travel marketing firms in the world. According to its website, MMGY Global is a $60 million marketing communications technology company with over 400 employees across global offices. It calls itself the world's leading integrated marketing company specializing in the travel, tourism, and hospitality industries. And its description also says that inspiring people to go places is more than just a line. It is at the core of everything we do. Speaking to that core of the many things that the company does, MMGY also runs a traveler sentiment index, which gauges on a numbered scale how U.S. adults are feeling about travel this year compared to a year ago with six factors. Interest in travel, time available for travel, personal finances available for travel, affordability of travel, quality of service, and safety of travel. If you look at the graph of the index, and I'll drop a link to the research in the description of this episode on whatever program you're using to listen to this, you see this heavy roller coaster like drop when you get to April 2020, when the number went as low as 90, a level not seen in the past eight years. And then as your eyes scroll along the chart, you see those depressed numbers find a bottom throughout the pandemic and start to rise. Now, as the spring edition of this report is released, the number is now higher than it was pre-COVID, 119 now compared to the peak pre-COVID being 117. And that's obviously great news for everyone in the travel industry as people continue to work their way out of COVID. Going back to Peter, we, we spoke for the first time in April 2020, just as the magnitude of COVID was coming into full view. Looking back, it was a very heavy question to ask at the time, but I wanted to know his opinion on how the industry was going to recover just because of all he has seen throughout his career in travel, from the impact of 9-11 to the financial crisis in 2008. At the time, his predictions, most of his predictions were spot on. He told me four things to keep an eye on. The first was that the recovery will largely be determined by the perception of safety. The second was that pricing will be the fuel to the fire. The third was that the leisure travel will recover first and that corporate travel may change forever. And last, he said, some leisure travel segments will do better than others as the industry starts to recover. This episode, in which I talked to Peter about those predictions and about what he sees now going forward, is a bit shorter than the prior three we've released, but I promise you that it is just as valuable, especially if you are like me and you're constantly trying to figure out where we are in the recovery, where we are in the story we're telling about COVID and the travel industry something that's becoming an increasingly difficult thing to do. Outside of that, I, ac- I wanted to ask Peter, as someone who has built a career in the industry, if he has any regrets about choosing the travel industry as a place where he wanted to build his career. And I do not think that the answer he gave, especially for the so many people who share a career in travel with him, will be all that surprising. So thank you for listening, and let's check in with Peter. Anyway, so can I help? Yeah, so I mean, I, I know, I know, we spoke uh, April. I looked, at, I went back and looked it up my notes, and it was April 2020. Um, and you gave me, 
you gave me some good points about what you thought the travel recovery was going to look look like. And I was mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to that and see and ask you where do you sure. think we are right now? Um, so the four things you told me were that the recovery was going to be determined by perception of safety, safety, that pricing will be the fuel to the fire, that leisure travel will go first and the corporate travel may be changed forever and that some leisure segments will do better than others. And obviously the you nailed a lot of those on the head, but I, I know, you know, this recovery has been choppy and it's been sort of right. uh, hard to predict for anyone. And, but with your experience, I was, I was wondering if you could give me sort of your sense of where sure. we are right now. Sure. Let me ask you first, did I send you um, last week the most recent uh, top line release we had from our uh, Pulse survey? I think I, I think did. I went through it, yeah. Okay, it was, it was shorter than usual. We had only about uh, six slides, and the one that in particular that would be of interest to you and your readers is our Travel Sentiment Index, the TSI. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I tell you what, just to make sure you have, I'll resend that when we're done. <clears throat> but uh, that is probably, in my view, the best leading indicator of um, where we are. Just to refresh your memory as to how we do this. We started doing this in the first quarter of 2007. Uh, and it was just in anticipation of what we anticipated was going to be this this uh, economic uh, trauma that would come as a result of the uh, financial meltdown that occurred. Um, and yeah. we were right in that prediction. So every 90 days since then, we've actually done a national sample. We refreshed that national sample. And unlike asking people to tell us what they have done in terms of travel, like where did they go and what they spent and so forth, this is a forward-looking survey that asks them about their intentions in a six-month horizon line. So the way the questions are framed is in the next six months, and then we ask, you know, do you plan to take a leisure trip, business trip, so on and so forth. What we do is we ask uh, questions about uh, six different drivers of uh, travel demand. And this is all in what I'm going to send you, but it's everything from interest in travel, uh, affordability of travel, time to travel, that kind of thing. And we calculated an index because the index value we scored at 100 back in the first quarter of 2007. And you can actually track the index as we move through, you know, the Great Recession, we move through the recovery in 2011-2012, right up until the pandemic. And you can see it kind of falls off the cliff. The headline is that the TSI in the past uh, 90 days has skyrocketed uh, positively. And so I'll send this to you. And Again, that is a proxy for what we think is going to happen. I say what what consumers tell us is going to happen over the next six months. Okay, so that measurement was taken in March. So you can kind of fast forward that and say, you know, it covers the summer to early fall. So the headline here is, you know, everybody's talked about pent-up demand. And uh, this is probably, in my view, this is one of the best proxies for how that's going to actually materialize. So, um, so the question, so point one, point two is, well, how does that get unleashed? The answer is obviously through the perception safety. So I'm going to send you those updates as well. And you can see how those have changed, all of which are obviously very positive with one exception, which is the cruise industry, yep. uh, which I know is of great interest to your leadership. And you'll see what those, uh, those indices are. So the second point here is that we still believe that the gatekeeper of unleashing this demand is going to be the perception of safety. And I'll show you in this in these numbers, uh, safety of everything from you know domestic and international flights to attending a, a, a concert event to checking into a hotel or taking a cruise. But the, the good news is that all of the pointers are up. 
they're up significantly. So then the question is, well, when does this happen? And that goes to the issue of, which is obviously what we, we all watch in the, in the general press every day, the point of who, who's vaccinated, how many people are vaccinated. And as you know, that percentage of the, the incidence of vaccination, the population rises. And good news for the travel business is we started at the top of the age hierarchy, right? So those are the folks that are more inclined to travel anyway, as opposed to the people who are working full time. So the irony here is that uh, all of that should play out really well, you know, for the travel business. And so I guess people who are providers will, will see a noticeable change in the demography of their customers over the next year. They're going to be older. You know, that, that's the headline. They're going to be older because they're the people who are vaccinated. So that, that is uh, imminent. So if you go back to the four things I shared with you, I guess, last April, I think I hit three and a half out of four accurately. And that is, it would be, you know, definitely leisure. You know, we can talk about business has not recovered uh, business yep. travel demand and it won't for months to come. You know, the issue of safety has proven to be the key uh, variable. The one, the half that I missed in the, in the half out of the four is early on, and this, is, this, this is kind of ironic, but this will be, I think, of interest to, again, your leadership. We believed in, in kind of the conventional recovery formula that said, well, when people were uh, inclined to travel, so as that TSI improved, that the catalyst would be attractive pricing. So people would say, gee, they're great deals, let's go. What we're actually seeing is that the pricing issue uh, is relegated dramatically lower to the issue of perceived safety. So it's the question of hygiene practices, uh, group sizes, you know, more natural kinds of uh, open experiences. And here's the punchline to all that, which we've said to our clients. Uh, and this even feels a little bit counterintuitive. What we're saying is don't compromise your pricing. It's not necessary. We say there's so much pent-up demand that if anything, we're seeing more pricing power, believe it or not, in the market. Now, this may not be true, like, for example, in selling you know, seats on airplanes, you know, but it will certainly be true in terms, in our view, in terms of selling vacations, you know, all in. And the, the reason for that is very simply that we have never seen this kind of pent-up demand as evidenced by the TSI, which we'll see. And as long as that demand is there, there's a direct relationship between the ability of a provider to charge more, right, or hold prices. Because, frankly, the only time you use, you know, promotional pricing is to stimulate demand when it's not there. And that's not where we are in the market. So that we missed that one. You know, we'd have thought, gee, that... That's almost counterintuitive, but nobody anticipated that demand would be as, as significant, potential demand as significant as it is. So I guess the only postscript I would make to the, you know, to that prediction is hold your prices, because I, I think the providers that do will realize the, the margins from that. The providers who don't will be leaving margin on the table because it's not necessary, in our, in our view, to stimulate demand. And I, that's a generalization, but I yeah. tell you, I think in principle, that's going to be true. So. One thing I wanted to ask you about, too, is I read a lot about the, the average American savings rate being as high as it's ever been. And yeah. part of me wonders, does that have to do with also 
pricing not having a lot to do with it because people do have this extra disposable income now that they're not used to and they they uh, they had no experiences and no vacations to spend it on over the last year and I'm, I'm wondering if that's something that that you you've seen at mmgy too yeah i think it's absolutely accurate and uh if you look at the amount of cash that is um in savings accounts uh, in the in the banking system today, I think it's an unprecedented level. Um, and the reason you just identified is that there were very few places for people to spend that cash, the ones who had the cash over the past year. And then the other thing is with this, the stimulus payments that have been made. You know, I'm sure you followed the the, the GameStop phenomenon and Reddit, yeah. you know, and all this. And and you know, I think there's a lot of speculation, but there also seems to be a fair amount of data about how you know, that cash didn't have other places to go. So a lot of people started playing the market, you know. Yeah. There's no question. Um, and there's a there's a psychology associated with this that if you're looking at the balance in your savings account that's increasing, there's a much higher probability that you will not apply the same kind of uh, strictures on that in terms of how you spend than when you look at that balance and you see that it's decreasing, right? So the whole psychology of how you spend that money is different. And the other is there's this this kind of creeping sense that, you know, people have cocooned, you know, for so long that they're entitled to a little bit of indulgence, which is what you need for pricing power, right? So the whole idea is that people say, well, maybe I'm going to trade it up, you know, and I'm going to stay in a little nicer place. I'm going to stay a little longer. I'm going to take a little you know, better vacation, that kind of thing. And we are absolutely seeing that in our client base. And I'm sure that if you talk to Anne-Marie and, you know, others, you know, that, that are kind of watching what's happening in terms of booking patterns, that you'll, you'll hear a similar comment, that it's not, the, it's not the deals, it's the availability. And then, uh, and I think that's going to be an issue. It's like, uh, you obviously can't make these generalizations based on one experience, but I'll offer this just as an illustration. Uh, we had to cancel uh, two cruises that we had booked this year, my wife and I, uh, one in February, one in October. So the other day I went back in to check on the availability of different itineraries in October. And uh, what I was, what I discovered was, at least the ones that were of interest to us, nothing was available. It's all waitlist. I mean, to me, it's amazing. It was all waitlist. Yeah, so. I can't imagine a lot of people... You know, I think what you mentioned, a lot of people felt raw. I know a lot of people who felt almost robbed of experience or the life experiences right. that they had planned for years and years. And and listening to you talk, it does seem very, it does seem very positive for this summer and maybe later this year, at least domestically for travel. Uh, one thing I did want to ask you, though, is because it, part of me reads all these headlines and sees all this bullishness and all this positivity out there. And I mean, do you see any headwinds? Do you see any things that could you oh, know, sure. turn things? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Two things. One is uh, obviously these viral variants. I mean, God forbid, you know, that, you know, as this thing evolved, the biology of this evolves to the point where the new variants are even more um, virulent, right? Than, yep. uh, and, and I think, you know, everything that I read and listen to suggests that there's a sense of nervousness about that on the part of you know, clinicians. And then there's a conversation about, well, you get a booster shot, you're going to be fine. Well, who knows? I mean, we don't yeah. know. So that clearly is an issue that hangs in the air. The other is how this is raging out of control 
in places where they don't have access to the vaccine. You know, and I'll give you an example. Um, again, we one of the cruises that we that we had to cancel, we rebooked, was going to take us to Brazil. And my concern is that, you know, it's uh, it's exploding down there. And the question is, you know, we're supposed to go in February. And while that seems like a lifetime away, but that's entirely possible that a country may still be locked down. You know, so if you think about the, the headline here is, where can you go? You know, will you be permitted to visit, you know, some of the popular destinations in Europe? I mean, God, nobody's going to France these days, right? Mm-hmm. UK, you can't go to. So the question is, we say, oh, that's all going to improve in three months or four months. We don't know that. So that's the other kind of complicating factor. So to me, the, the, the two potential speed bumps out there are, does this virus morph you know, to the point where there are new strains that just, and even if, if we can combat them with booster shots, the, the question is, how does that affect someone's kind of travel sentiment? You know, so it raises anxiety. And we know that nothing kills demand faster than nervousness about, about um, hygiene. Uh, now and safety and then the other is where can you actually go and importantly you know not where can you go but you know what do you have to do to get there you know do you have to quarantine and you know all these other things which are huge obstacles for people especially with the pricing i mean if if you're not getting a if if i guess the consumer is not getting a deal to go somewhere and they go to paris and they can't go spend time at cafes or at the louvre or things like that you mentioned the the tsi so you guys have been calculating that since 20 2007 you said right correct Mm -hmm. and i i'm curious what do you remember the lowest number you have recorded in in those it's been 14 years yeah you look at that um and you can see the long, slow climb out of that. And we actually punctured that theoretical uh, index value of 100 back in, uh, I think it was 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll notice that now it was, it's at 119, I think, something like that. Yeah, it was, it's higher now than it was before the pandemic. That's the point. That's the point. You know, that's the index of uh, demand. Yeah, it's really remarkable. Yeah, that is that that V. I guess everyone talks about the recovery with stock prices, but the V-shaped recovery with demand is it just seems outrageous. Almost how how quickly it dipped and how quickly it also rose back up. Yeah, no key difference is this is not the actual manifestation of demand. So it's not people on planes and hotels and so forth. This is intention, right? So okay. this always precedes that. Right. So and the question is, you know, people always ask as well, do people behave the way they they claim they will behave? And the answer is, for the most part, yes, they do. Um, the wild card there is the element of time. You know, when does that actually materialize? And that goes back to the, what we talked about before, which is where can I go? What's the incidence of vaccinations? Actually, if you look at the other slides in that uh, report that I sent you, uh, you'll see all of the safety indices there too, which you'll see how they've moved over the past couple of months. Oh, you've done this survey since 20, 2007, and has safety ever ever has been this big of a concern as a, as a, in a time that you can remember? Not since 2007. I will tell you the only time it was comparable, and I can't give you hard data because we didn't have comparable methodology then, was after 9-11. Yeah. Yeah, and other than that, no. I mean, uh, we have never seen that kind of uh, prominence associated with this. Yeah. Okay. So how, I mean, 
just, I mean, we're talking about 2008, we're talking about 2001, and I just doing some research of, on you, I guess, before this interview, you've been in the industry for more than, well, it's been more than 40 years, is that correct? Correct. Yeah, what what year did, did MMGY Global, what year was that born? 2010. 2010, okay. Yeah, 2010, yeah. Okay. And we, um, our, our business and, and my partner's business, MMG, you know, had multiple uh, iterations for years prior to that, but we actually merged in 2010, yeah. What was the goal when you merged in 2010, or I guess even when you had your own before the merger in 2010, what was the well, goal? Well, it was, uh, yeah, to, uh, to grow the footprint, you know, of the business. And by merging, we essentially doubled the, collective size of our individual businesses uh, to add uh, more depth and skill sets that were evolving back then. Uh, Don Montague, who's the MMG, uh, had really made uh, some really interesting progress in the area of the digital marketing of travel, more so than, frankly, why partnership had. And we had made more progress in the area of research and strategy. So it was a really interesting blend of skills. Yeah, they're very complimentary, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And so one thing I've been asking a lot of these, a lot of the people I've been able to speak to over the last year, especially now, because it, it seemed like a crisis almost aimed at travel and hospitality at some points during the pandemic. So you've been in the, you've been in the industry for more than 40 years. Did you ever consider doing something else? Because I know this isn't the first time the travel industry has faced a crisis like this, and they, they do seem to be it does seem to be a very sensitive industry to a lot of this, a lot of the wars, a lot of the health crises, a lot of the diplomatic crises, right, things like right, that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The answer is resounding no. Okay. <laughs> and the reason for that is it's too much fun. Yeah. And if you think about, really, I mean, you think about this business. I used to tell that you know all the first-time employees that we would hire at the agency. You know, I'd say, you know, you're not going to Wall Street. You know, and you're not going to make that kind of money. But let me tell you something. In the next three or four years, you're going to do things that your colleagues will never do in their lifetime. Yeah. They'll see places they've never seen. They'll have experiences. They, and they do. You know, they do. And, and, you know, imagine somebody who, you know, is a young art director, a copywriter, you know, making their way to Santiago, Chile, you know, to write a campaign for the Chilean government or something. You know, I mean, they, they do things that, you know, you'd never do if you were sitting back in Dallas. You know? Yeah. So, but seriously, and I, I said, you know, it's way too much fun. And that's one of the the uh, benefits, I think, for everybody who's in this business, you know, that you get a chance to, you know, you know, see the world and, you know, get introduced to other cultures. And, uh, and, we, and we were very fortunate in our business because probably half of our business was outside of the U.S., you know, in terms of our client base. Yeah. But, but you know, I, to me, there's no substitute for that. Yeah.